Welcome back to the FreightWaves Cold Chain Summit. I'm Nate Tabak, a reporter who covers cybersecurity for FreightWaves. Joining me today is Kurt George, a vice president at Property Damage Appraisers, or PDA. The company provides independent damage appraisals. Kurt, thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Nate. So, Kurt, we're here today to talk about the cybersecurity risks facing cold storage facilities. So back in November, a ransomware attack hit AmeriCold, disrupting operations. And this is part of a wave of attacks that have hit countless companies and industries. And this is where hackers try to extort businesses by encrypting data and trying to basically shut down or disrupt their operations. And then they'll demand money in exchange for getting back up and running. So, Kurt, what role does your company play exactly when there's a company that's been victim of one of these attacks? So... A lot of times we come in when there is uh, the opportunity to evaluate loss. Um, and it's really, you know, defining what the loss is. Uh, a ransomware has hit a cold storage facility. Obviously, they've taken, you know, they, they've uh, <laughs> they've initially gone into and tried to, to stem the problem. They'll speak to their insurance company. They'll evaluate and determine, you know, what they lost from revenue, from product, something like that. Insurance company will then contact us to have us be the boots on the ground to actually go out and assess and appraise what loss occurred. And in terms of cold storage facilities specifically, what are the kinds of things that you guys encounter when you're actually trying to figure, you know, figure out the the extent of the the damages that they've experienced after these attacks? Well, it, it's a couple things, Nate. You know, when you look at it, first and foremost, it's inventory. You know, what did they have? What what spoilage occurred? Um, and that can be a wide range of things, depending on the facility and, and the types of products uh, that they have internally. Then it goes a little bit deeper than that. And we have to look at, well, what was the loss in revenue? And was there a loss from uh, not being able to get shipments out? Was there a loss from contracts being canceled because time-sensitive uh, products weren't being able to deliver? Um, you know, and going back to, again, it, it, it can be as simple as... Uh, as damage, but it can be as intricate as, um, you know, kind of what's in the ether of evaluating really uh, an opportunity costs that you weren't uh, able to able to realize in that moment. So in terms of the like cold storage itself, and I think cold, cold storage has obviously always been really important, but I think it's taken on this really increasingly vital role, You're talking about the storage of COVID vaccines and this crazy demand for uh, consumer goods like food, um, stuff like that. What is it actually happening in the cases of like ransomware attacks that's actually affecting the ability of the cold storage facility to actually keep the goods at the appropriate temperature? Well, you, you know, it's it's multifaceted. I mean, first, I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on that that cold storage is a prime target, more so now than it ever has been. Um, you know. We talk sometimes how, you know, bank robbers, they say, well, why do you rob a bank? Well, that's where the money is. And the issue now is, you know, it's like you just mentioned, time is of the essence and temperature, time and temperature are key. Uh, and so this ransomware and these hackers, these are the, the type of prime target that they want to go after. So looking at, you know, what we need to see is every hour that goes by is loss, is loss of revenue, is loss of spoilage. And really, when we have to go in, it's a matter of kind of calculating what that loss is. And these cold storage companies, 
you know, whether they are longstanding firms that maybe didn't realize the technology is as important as it is. Um, but it's not just a backup generator anymore when it comes to the, the sheer impact that ransomware will have against facilities and companies in this space. Yeah. And why is it that you think that uh, cold storage facilities have become a, a prime target? Is it be- Do you think that there's an awareness by the attackers themselves that they, they know that the extent, the level of uh, financial damage that is being incurred by affecting those operations is that, do you think that's part of it? Absolutely. The kind of the biggest driver for ransomware now is interruption of service. And that's what it comes down to. You see, when ransomware hits municipalities, they hit the water department. And you would think, well, why? Because if water's not flowing or if they, uh, uh, the latest one that had happened down in Florida is they, they changed the chemical composite of the water that was leaving the treatment plant. And now that is all tainted water. It's time, time, service, interruption, and again, for cold storage, temperature. And they know that within an hour, you can change the entire dynamic of everything inside that building. More importantly, you can interrupt uh, service transportation and delivery. And it's not that they're going after tens of millions of hundreds of millions of dollars, but they know that if the ransom is just just big enough and yet just payable enough, that's almost calculated um, in an algorithm against the value of the inventory that is within that facility. And they pretty much the ransomware fellas know they'd probably be willing to pay this much to make sure they don't lose that much. And so when your company is kind of, I guess they get on the the scene of this, it's kind of, it's in the after it's, you know, if a company has decided to pay that, that probably will have already happened, I would imagine. And whatever's happened to inventory has already happened. So you're sort of, are you there kind of essentially to kind of like you're, you're seeing everything in the aftermath or is the incident actually still potentially unfolding? So depending on the speed of the storage facility and, and who they contact, when and how quickly, sometimes we're there as it is happening. Most of the time it's coming in, well, either we've been contracted or requested to come in prior to, to kind of make an assessment, appraise what the situation is. And then other times it's to come in after where now they're looking to file a claim with their insurance company. Say, look, this is what we lost. And the insurance company will send us out as boots on the ground to say, take a look at everything. Is this what was lost? What was the value of what was lost? And a lot of times cold storage facilities will say, well, I, I, I lost X amount of inventory and that's, that, that's what I should claim to, to, uh, to be made whole. And we'll go out and appraise and say, well, have you considered this? Have you considered that? Was there interruption of service? Were you not able to make deliveries on time? Were there contracts that you lost? We look at every possible loss, not just the physical. Um, and then in a lot of times, you know, we're looking at, over the policy with you to see what you're entitled to and at what value, because, you know, especially in the digital world, policies are changing and, and some cover ransomware and some don't. Uh, and that's an important thing to know, especially know ahead of time. Uh, before something like this occurs. So cold storage is obviously, it's been around for a long, long time uh, before there were computers and the internet. What is happening that allows um, allows these, you know, these cyber attacks to actually 
cause a disruption of the actual um, ability of of these providers to keep their keep their stuff cold. Well, it's it's almost technology is both a blessing and a curse in this space. Knowing that you know, uh, fifty years ago, your warehouse wasn't automated; it was done on pen and paper. You knew when the trucks were coming in and out. Someone physically went and adjusted the thermostat um, and checked the machinery, and and this really wasn't an issue. Now, as things become more automated, they open themselves up to being hacked and to being accessed from the outside. More importantly, as things are automated and those systems start to tie together, um, if your scheduling system is on the same server as your email system, a simple email that comes in and we all have, you know, seen things that you really want to click on, but you're like, I'm not so sure about this. One missed click now gets someone access into your scheduler, which gets someone into your inventory for, for a hacker to see what you actually have in there. Then it's a matter of how far back in the, uh, in the chain do they want to interrupt the power and interrupt the uh, ability for you to keep things cold. You know, a standalone uh, gas generator that powers your facility, that can't be hacked and that's great, but that's not really efficient either. And so really what makes it attractive are these older uh, companies and, and organizations that want to modernize that want to put in technology, but they're putting in kind of consumer level technology uh, safety measures when they're really not commercial or, you know, as, as we would look at like bank savings and loan type technology uh, for encryption. One of the things that I've heard from cybersecurity experts is that, that when you look at, you know, phishing is, is you know, the extremely common method that malware gets into a company's system. But one of the, the points I've heard again and again is that a single phishing email shouldn't lead to an entire uh, system or network of systems to be brought down. But we do see this uh, again and again, uh, again, happening. What in terms of the, I mean, I think it from your perspective, and I hope you can try to put this in, in sort of as, as simple terms as possible. What What's happening that is allowing a um, something like a, a phishing email to actually bring you know bring everything down? Is it you, you mentioned cons- you know that it's consumer level solutions integrated into you know potentially a, a big and complicated cold storage facility? Is it that they're just not implementing the kind of the right sort of safeguards to ensure that? the there's kind of the the barrier between those networks like what what are the kinds of things that you're seeing so it's really you know and that, and that's a misnomer thinking oh one email it can't do it to me the fact of the matter is is a lot of these establishments don't have closed loop systems and so what you're looking at is if you can access your email and the company's inventory from the same computer you say well but i, I had to click on different icons or go to different servers the pathway is connected. And so if from a single laptop or if from your phone, some people think it's you know pretty slick to say, well, I can check on the security cameras of my facility from my phone. A simple email or click from your phone now connected that pathway to get to those more advanced systems that you have at your company. So it's understanding that, you know, we talk about how, you know, things shouldn't be in a silo. 
things should absolutely be in a silo um, where you have things separated and it's not one thing connecting them all. You know, I tell the story sometimes that, um, you know, if you want to make sure your bank is protected, so you lock the doors and you make sure that the cash drawers are locked and the vault is locked, everything's locked and the bank manager leaves for the day, except he left the window in the restroom open um, that's just big enough and just low enough for someone to climb inside. Now I'm inside the bank. Doesn't matter how many different safety measures you have. It's that weakest link. It's that one window that they're able to access. And now they can get in the entire system. Then it's just, are they an advanced enough hacker to get in the cash drawer? Sure, that's a crowbar. Are they advanced enough hacker to get into the safe? If they're not, they're going to find a buddy to climb in that window with them. So really, it's just a matter of understanding that if all your systems are truly connected and can be accessed from one central point, then that central point is where the issue is going to come. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of one of the things I've heard with some of these, these more sophisticated attacks is that when the hackers get in, they become, if, if you're the, the boss of a company and you have access to everything, uh, everything on your, your network, and you probably shouldn't, but you know, that, that, that happens, I think, when people in some positions it's you have to think about this that they could do see and do anything that you can do, and they may be there for a long period of time. So, Kurt, um, we're running out of time here, but I think if you're if you're now watching this and you know maybe you have your own cold storage facility or you do business with one, you keep inventory there, and you're now kind of alarmed thinking about this, what would what's the what would be the first thing to do if you just are like I've never thought about my cybersecurity. I've got an antivirus. So what's the, what's the, what do you think is a good first step to, um, for someone to do to, to at least begin to help, uh, you know, secure themselves? And it's not a simple question. I know that. No, it's not. Uh, look, I'll, I'm going to give you three. Um, the first is educate yourself. Google it. Read every possible thing you can, every scenario that might occur, and then start to think to yourself, could this be me? Could this be us? And um, in as much as doctors don't want you to go to WebMD and diagnose yourself, this is an opportunity where you absolutely should get some education, do some diagnosis. And if there's a shred of thought that it might be you or that you see someone similar, that's when you go to step two. And step two is have have someone from the outside come in. Have someone come in before there's loss and say, will you take a look at this? even as so much as you can go even further and say, will you try to hack us? Now, don't just try to find someone on the internet who says, oh, I'm a good guy that I'll try to hack you. Chances are they're a bad guy that's trying to fool you. Find a reputable virus protection company, somebody not off the shelf, but someone locally in town that can come in, a network analyst, look at your systems and, and see what they can, you know, put together for you. And number three, look at your insurance policy. Make sure that that you have a provision in there to cover your loss from ransomware and also see what your responsibility is. Because if they go out, if we go out and say, oh yeah, everything on the computer is all attached and they leave it turned on all the time and did it, the insurance company may come back and say, you know what? You didn't do everything you could to prevent this type of loss and thereby we're not going to honor the claim. These are probably the three most important things you can do right now 
to protect yourself from this type of event happening. George, thank you so much for, for being here today. I think it's been incredibly helpful to, to get this perspective on this very alarming trend, but also something that everyone can actually do something about to prevent it from happening to them. Nate, I, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share with your audience. And um, even if it helps, you know, just one person once, um, I'm glad that we've been able to have this chat and hope it helps.